to our third episode of our Pellissippi State Community College Service Learning Podcast. We are excited today to be joined by our premier partner, our good friends at Volunteer East Tennessee. We have Allison Gallagher, who's the executive director. Say hello, Allison. Hi. <laughs> and then we have Amelia Everett, the ever-powerful program director over there. And say hello, Amelia. Hey. Hey. So two awesome guests who help us try to work really hard to connect our students to service opportunities. So I'm just going to go ahead and dive into questions with you guys. Thank you so much for coming today. Who wants to take this one? Tell me a little bit about Volunteer East Tennessee. A little nutshell version about that. Um, I'll take it. I feel like uh, <laughs> I answer this a lot um, because although, you know, Volunteer East Tennessee, we feel like it's self-explanatory when we say it's a volunteer center. A lot of people, the follow-up question is, well, what does that even mean and what do you do? Um, but we are, <laughs> we are a volunteer center. We uh, were started in uh, 2014. Um, it was a community project uh, with the United Way of Greater Knoxville and Leadership Knoxville as a way to commemorate um, Leadership Knoxville's 30th um, anniversary. And really it was, hey, we're the home of the volunteers. Uh, we're in the volunteer state, yet we don't have a hub for volunteerism. And there was this idea that if we could create this center point, that um, a connection, a place where people could just find ways to volunteer and connect directly. That would help our nonprofit community immensely. Um, and we would get more people engaged in volunteerism and service. And so we started off really small. We started off as Volunteer Knoxville and then grew to um, embrace a more regional footprint. And then the fires happened in Sevier County in Gatlinburg. And we really, um, things just changed dramatically for us. We went from having 6,000 people in our database as volunteers to 24,000 like overnight. Um, and really we were responsible for uh, organizing the volunteer reception center in Gatlinburg and processing those volunteers on a daily basis, starting from you know six days after the fires to uh, through May of the following year. So, um, but now we work with about a hundred different nonprofit organizations. Um, we help them recruit and manage their volunteers. Um, there's no size requirement to an organization to work with us. Um, there's no, uh, you know, there's no, you don't have to need 10 volunteers. You can need one volunteer. Um, really, we just want to be a resource for both our nonprofits and our community to connect. Awesome. I love those words that used hub and center point because we want to make, differentiation between the fact that you aren't doing direct service you're 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 definitely the the um information or broker which is not the greatest word but you know you're helping these 100 nonprofits get access to volunteers through one big database that you all do a great job working on and i remember the time after the fires because I took my kids up there and I checked in at your all's check-in center and then we went to the distribution center and it was very well done. So I'm, 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 I'm glad in a way you were able to just be able to rise up to that occasion. I hate that it happened, but I'm glad that you all were able to help so much. Um, and helping and service is really part of my passion as a teacher. And I find that to be such a big part of how our students connect with their learning outcomes. So that's what service learning really is. 
So our students are, are eager to do it. We have lots of students who volunteered not even for scholarship hours or for course credit. They just do it. So what are some helpful tips either one of you have for students who are looking for your for volunteer opportunities? Um, any thoughts that come to mind, like best practice for a student to make sure that they get connected to somebody who needs them? Yeah, my um, first piece of advice is visit volunteeretn.org <laughs> and yeah. find all the volunteer opportunities. But the biggest thing I see a lot of times with it, volunteers in general is these expectations of, well, this is the type of work I want to do. This is the type of organization I want to serve. And just that more instead of seeing what the needs with those organizations are, they're coming to them saying, this is what I have to offer you. And I think it's really important to, to kind of take stock of what that organization maybe needs before you even reach out. That is a great point because your desires and what you want to do volunteering, even though we have some amazingly skilled volunteers with our students we also have to try to really meet them where they're at with regards to needs. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think we forget sometimes that nonprofits are doing, they're doing work. They're doing work every single day. They mm -hmm. are operating, you know, nonprofit is a tax status. It does not mean that they are not doing work. And um, for them to work with volunteers, it takes time away from, them delivering on their mission and their work. And so we just, we want to be mindful of that when we're reaching out to them and um, talking to them about service opportunities. Awesome. I, I have had some students say to me that, and I always encourage them to pick a few organizations using your database because your database is awesome because you can sort it by the, your availability and your location and even, even the kind of work you want to do. But I will say to them, Pick a few organizations because, you know, you might get a hold of an organization that's maybe they've had some changes going on within their infrastructure or maybe they're writing a big grant. Who knows? I worked in nonprofits for 18 years. So from, a, from that perspective, I can say sometimes you're just not up for a big volunteer project right now. So as they approach a community agency, what are some tips you have for doing that? Should they email? Should they submit the form online? Should they call? Because, you know, there's kind of, they all kind of have different ways that they, they can be reached. So. Um, if there's a standard form online, start there. You know, there's mm -hmm. a reason why they have it. Um, it's generally going to the right person. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. And so um, rather than you kind of hunting and pecking your way through their about us or contact us page, you know, fill out the form. It's why they have it. Mm -hmm. um, and just, you know, bear in mind again, like you, just because you're, this is top of mind for you, it may not be top of mind for them at this mm -hmm. moment. And so if you don't hear from them in, you know, 24 to 48 hours, like don't panic, don't, you know, sound the alarm bells, you know, then it's the follow-up email to maybe their info account um, or give them a call. Uh, you know, you're always welcome to contact us. You know, maybe we have a, a mm -hmm. better avenue for you to, um, to travel down to get connected to a volunteer coordinator or manager. Um, but just be patient. 
Um, things don't necessarily move as quickly as we want them to, especially in the nonprofit sector, because generally people that are managing volunteers are managing lots of other roles within that organization. Yeah, especially right now. Yeah, especially right now. That's a great segue to talking about how we are talk, working in a pandemic. But I love, I just want to reiterate what Allison just said in terms of starting with that standard form online, which a lot of their websites will have just like a, a, a good website. will have like volunteers, like a big clicking button. And then it's, so if they have that electronic form, do that. But then if you're not hearing anything, you know, maybe email them and then maybe call them, but also contact you all because you may know of some pressing needs that have just come through, right? Um, Yeah. And the other thing is social media. Uh, You'd Mm -hmm. be amazed at how many nonprofits, yes, they have a website, but they're not monitoring it diligently, um, but they're monitoring their social media accounts Mm -hmm. usually more closely. And so messaging them on Facebook or sending them um, a message on Instagram, um, even LinkedIn, you may get um, a faster response than versus a general email because we all know that we are inundated with emails. And so I think that that's not a bad way to contact them either. Yeah. That's a great idea. So they could even like have a comment under a relevant post that just says, Hey, I'm a student and I need to volunteer. So that's a great idea. And I'm trying to also always convey to students, don't let your subject line be like, hello there. You know what I mean? It needs to be very specific. I'm a Pellissippi state student and I need to volunteer. Do you need me? You know, because otherwise it might not get open if it is a general email, you know what I'm saying? Because some of those hello there's are kind of look like they could be spam or just, you know, it just doesn't get open like the others. So, okay. So how, um, you, we were going in this direction. How has the pandemic changed your work? I mean, besides like, t- you know, flipping it upside down there. <laughs> um, well, you know, if it has, I shouldn't assume that. <laughs> no, I, I think it's a fair assumption that we're all a little um, turned around these days. <laughs> um, you know, immediately when, you know, I would say when uh, partial emergency operations center was activated here in Knox County, March 13th, it was, we were involved in those conversations and then trying to figure out how do we meet immediate needs, critical needs, like how our meals going to get delivered? How are, um, you know, how are we going to help our partners process um, home, the homeless like at, at their various shelters? You know, what is that going to look like and how can we keep volunteers safe in that process? Because the entire model of, you know, disaster, which is it happens and then people show up in droves to help is gone. That, mm-hmm. does, that model does not work here. Um, in fact, we're trying to do more with fewer people. Um, and so our, our business changed drastically overnight. Um, you know, a lot of what we do in the spring and the summer is festivals, events, canceled you know, mm-hmm. and, and those are fundraisers that are not happening now for these nonprofits. Yeah. And, and that's huge. a huge, because these nonprofits are still delivering services, you know, Meals on Wheels is still happening, but they, we can't cancel that. And, you know, we put critical needs up immediately. Um, we also did a drive for sub- essential supplies for our nonprofit, for any nonprofit that needed, whether it be cleaning supplies or PPE posted Amazon wish list. 
Mm. Volunteerism took service, took on a very different look um, Mm -hmm. after March 13th. And I would say in the past six weeks, we're seeing it come back a little bit in person. You know, we have, um, I just was on the site. There's lots of great looking volunteer opportunities that are in person, a lot that are outdoors that are great. Um, so you can and, be safe yeah. and social distance, wear your mask, all that. Yeah. That's good. And, um, and Amelia works directly with our nonprofits. And I think that she can certainly speak to how it's changed for them and how they work with us. Yeah. So I'm surprised, honestly, at how much has not changed, how much it's still just, I have, we have all of these um, populations we're trying to serve and all of these needs um, and we need to figure out how to get volunteers, which is the same, you know, no matter what state of, of emergency we're in. Um, but also just the way that so many of our nonprofit partners have tried to find ways to, uh, to do some remote type volunteer opportunities. Mm -hmm. Like we have senior care calls and Mm -hmm. uh, weekly tucking calls to hospice patients which is something that I've never seen before um, here locally. Uh, and it's just a, a nice way to, to check in, make sure that, you know, everyone is safe, everyone has what they need, um, and just kind of unique. These are probably people who are not getting the visitors they used to. Exactly. So that's exactly. kind of nice that they can do that. And that wouldn't be bad to stick around when, th- when things are dif- different. Absolutely, yeah. You know, so. And I think that, um, you know, that's a pretty easy, it's not a huge time commitment. So I do think that's something that they're going to try to to continue to do even once we go back to quote unquote normal. Well, um, and that's great for students who sometimes maybe they don't, maybe we have a lot of students that are parents and they've got jobs. And mm-hmm. so when we speak of service, they're like, you want to add one more thing right. or I go out. But if they can do it from their home on their own time, kind of like somewhat on their own time, then that's more doable, whether we're in a pandemic or not. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, Absolutely. It's kind of nice in moments like where sometimes we, especially right now, we don't feel like we have a whole lot of control over a lot of things. Um, it's, it is centering. It is grounding to be serving um, in an, in any capacity that you can um, to feel like you're doing something uh, for the greater good is empowering right now. And um, you know, what are we talking about? 30 minutes on the phone with someone? I mean, Mm -hmm. they're in hospice care. I mean, just think about what you're contributing to them at this stage in their life. It's huge. Mm -hmm. That is huge. So, and that's where that transformational piece comes for my students. I've seen students who were maybe quiet. They didn't really engage as much. And then service just, just lit them up. They just really got engaged in a new way that changed their whole trajectory of success. And so that's why I'm pretty excited about it. So do you know of some pressing needs? You mentioned the the calls and things like that, but are there some things that are really pressing that were, you know, is it, is it the meals, you know, meal delivery and that kind of stuff? Is that stuff really, are they struggling? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, a lot of those types of programs, many of their volu- their normal volunteers are high risk. 
So mm. they're having to kind of take a step back. So not only is there more of a need, there are fewer people to, to serve that need. So uh, the local mobile meals um, uh, programs definitely need volunteers. And we also have just a, um, a COVID-19 response page up on our website okay. that has um, a listing of several more pressing needs that, that directly deal with, with COVID response. Right. We'll be steering our students there for sure. Um, any other thoughts for best practices for our students or any other thoughts you have about just student volunteers in general? I mean, I don't know how many times you've, because you are the sub, you're not necessarily doing the direct service, but in theory, you're getting some good feedback that our students are doing good work. I hope that you are. So um, what, I guess what are the benefits do you see to having students get engaged in the service from your perspective? Because I know I'm all in. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, look at what is out there and see the needs that are already existing um, and think about what, what you're passionate about. What do you care about? What is something that you're drawn to? And what are the top three things and start there. Um, don't, you know, I think sometimes students will approach it as um, a resume builder and what will look good. Um, and that is not necessarily the purpose. That's not necessarily going to um, serve them in the long run. Um, and frankly, consider it kind of like dating, you know, you may not, it may not be the best fit for you. So give it a shot. Don't overcommit. Um, be realistic about your schedule, your availability, your, um, what you're willing to do, and be very honest and upfront about that with the nonprofit from the get-go. There's no, there's no reason to not be um, just forthright about any of that. Well, and I don't know about you, but I fell into my nonprofit work. I wasn't planning on going into nonprofit work um, when I first started after going to college. But it was some of the best work I ever did because I was able to, even though we were working with a very thin staff, that meant I got to do some things that I, at you know, very young age, very new to the professional world. Um, so um, I got to do some things that nobody would ever let me do, you know, in a corp a big corporate setting. So I tried to tell my students to make them understand about the nonprofit industry and, you know, there's, there's rises in pay rates and it's, it's a very, you know, it's a very good career path. And so I also see career development coming out of this. I know some students who actually have done service and then ended up working for that organization. So. Oh yeah. I mean, it happens all the time. Um, and we love that. I mean, we want that. We want bright, vibrant people coming into the nonprofit sector. Um, and I just think managing expectations is always key. You know, mm -hmm. it's it, it, it just remember where um, volunteers live within the life cycle of a nonprofit and just being aware of that and knowing that you can develop incredible soft skills from your service opportunity and mm -hmm. that will serve you in your, your career forever, you know? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think even if it, it doesn't necessarily turn into a job or a career, it can help you 
figure out some of the things that you enjoy doing and what mm-hmm. you don't like to do, uh, which is helpful. We now. have had that happen where students yeah. are like, maybe I don't want to be with young children. That exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Uh, well, I mean, that's not great, but you know what I'm saying? It's, it's good that students can have these experiences to, to gauge what they really enjoy and, um, and, and what they might want to do. So it's exposure to different kinds of work and that kind of stuff. So in a very low pressure setting, right? Like, I mean, right. it, 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 you couldn't ask for a better um, way to kind of figure out these things. You're not, mm-hmm. you're not signing a contract. You're not committing to employment. Like there it's, it is way low pressure. And um, there's a, a great degree of grace in the nonprofit sector. So. Oh, that's a good, we got to put that on the, podcast uh, stuff the great degree of grace we gotta <laughs> we're gonna quote you on that allison um, perfect <laughs> we need a lot of grace oh, we, we all need a lot of grace right now we yeah. all do <laughs> well okay so speaking of this as we sort of move towards wrapping it up here we want to be a great partner for you Pellissippi state does i mean because we really love our partnership with you guys. Um, so what can we do moving forward to be the best partner that we can be for you? Um, and if that's, you know, pushing, pressing needs out through what our social media avenues, um, uh, we created a forum recently and I think Amelia put it in the newsletter, which is awesome, which is a request for proposals. That's a dynamic form that allows any nonprofit um, to go ahead and submit their needs there, which is great. And that's, we've been getting those project proposals in. Um, but I want to make sure that we're doing everything we can to, to help you support you. So if you don't know the answer to that, you can tell me later, but we can talk, we can. No, I'll let Amelia jump in. I feel like. So I would say that Pellissippi is a, fabulous partner of ours. Um, you know, you already are sharing our needs. You're the fact that you invited us to do this. Um, the biggest thing that we can ask from any of our partners is just to help amplify the the volunteer and service needs in the community. And so, I, I mean, off the top of my head, I can't think of, of anything else that I would ask um, beyond just continuing to do what you all are we'll, already doing. We'll, sh- we'll just continue to share and, um, if we, if we have some specific success stories that we can dial back to you guys, we'll make sure that you know about that kind of stuff too. Yeah. So Yeah, we love that. We love sharing those um, types of stories with our board. You know, they like, mm-hmm. <laughs> they like to know. Yeah. And that's how you get your support. <laughs> and that's yeah. How, yeah. Exactly. And, um, you know, I also would say that if there's a student or there is um, a professor or instructor that you have this idea or you're interested in something specific or a skill set you're looking to develop, give us a call, shoot us an email. I mean, we're, we're wide open. We're, our jobs are to connect you to the right opportunity or the best opportunity. And sometimes those are not posted. So just feel That's free to a reach good, out. Great point because, you know, I do a lot of brainstorming with teachers because we have to tie it to their learning outcomes I was dealing with a gentleman who was doing a mechanical engineering work and we figured out a way it was, it was a fire alarm and safety HVAC class. We figured out a way they could do like facility audits for nonprofits, but that was just he and I brainstorming and it pitched it and it worked out great. So 
I might send them your way because you probably know some better, have the, a stronger network to pull from and even can share those, those ideas out there. So it isn't always a request for proposals. It's, it's a, you know, request for if you need this kind of volunteerism, then this is, this is a possibility for you. Um, so thank you very much. Now, how do people find you? Let's just reiterate that. Um, uh, oh, thanks. Uh, volunteeretn.org. Um, that's okay. where you can find all of our contact information, all of the latest needs, COVID-specific and otherwise. And we just encourage people to subscribe to our newsletter. Um, those are always chock full of great pieces of information, what's going on in the month ahead. So thank you so much. And I'm sure you have a solid privacy policy, meaning that you won't share that email and you'll just, just send them the email of the newsletter, which is always really, it's laid out really well and clear. So I would do appreciate that. I, that's, you know, I get a lot and that's the one I open and go, okay, I can understand this. So well done on your dis design of flow of information because it's not too much. Thanks. And it's not too many emails either. So that's good. Because you know no, how that, there's a fine I, we balance. Do. We do, and we want to find balance. And also we want to keep it, we, we have a general email uh, newsletter, and then we also have um, interest-specific. So if you are interested in animal welfare or you're interested in oh, event um, volunteering, you get just those opportunities as well. So that um, if that's your jam, that's your jam. Uh, that's a good best practice to tell students about too, is the newsletter that's specific to their wants and needs. So I'll, I'll let them know that too. But, well, ladies, thank you so much uh, for joining me today. I, we've been so, I've been feeling quite isolated. So even though this is a podcast and nobody actually see us, I'm happy to see you guys in this virtual space and to talk to you guys. And um, just to thank you so much for being such a, I mean, premiere is probably not the best word. I need to come up with a better and even stronger word for what kind of partnership you guys do with us in terms of helping us, I mean, find opportunities. It is harder sometimes for me to even capture all of what's going on behind the scenes because the classes are just moving so fast and we're always running on this semester schedule that keeps us a certain level of intensity, but I will try to always feed you any good things I hear about. And um, I just want to thank you again for your time and for all you do for East Tennessee, really to make sure that our nonprofits who really, really depend on volunteers are getting the help and support that they need. So Thanks, thank Tracy. you all. We appreciate you. Thanks yeah. for having us. Thank you. So Thank you all for listening to our third episode. I want to thank Volunteer East Tennessee, Allison Gallagher, the executive director, and Amelia Everett, the program director, for really helping us break down some ideas for our students and our faculty and anybody in general who might be wanting to volunteer, understand what they can do during this particular time, but even in the future as we move forward. And see things change. So thanks so much for everything and have a great day and look for episode four uh, coming up in the next few weeks. Thanks so much. Take care. So.